0: You can go ahead and turn uh, in your Bibles uh, to the Gospel of Mark. Uh, we're going to be still in uh, chapter 15 today, uh, looking specifically at verses uh, 40 through 47. My allergies have acted up this week, so I'm going to preach with a cough drop in. So. <clears throat> While you're turning there, uh, Mark uh, chapter 15, um, last week we looked at the death of Jesus, uh, which is really the climax of Mark's Gospel, Uh, we saw that Jesus' death was no ordinary death, right? It was unique. Um, We saw that it was significant, right? Uh, We saw that uh, the supernatural darkness that swallowed up the land uh, for three hours while Jesus was on the cross, uh, that darkness we saw informed us that that Jesus endured, um, he endured divine judgment, uh, not because he is a sinner. Uh, But because we are sinners, uh, he took God's wrath for us. Um, Jesus' final words show us that he experienced divine abandonment, if you remember. Um, The the sinless one, the one who knew no sin, he became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. Um, We saw that the, the torn curtain... Uh, The Torn Curtain told us (coughs) that Jesus secured for us not only divine access to God, but divine favor. Uh, We can now approach God boldly and with confidence, knowing that he has favor to show us, not because we are great, uh, but because Jesus did something great for us. And and then finally, if you remember uh, the Centurion's Declaration, uh, the, the the words that, that he shared uh, revealed that Jesus is in fact uh, the divine Son of God. Today's passage uh, describes the burial of Jesus <clears throat> the burial of Jesus and if we aren't careful we can wrongly assume this text has nothing beneficial for us, nothing helpful. Um, Nothing needed. Scripture could have easily summarized this event in just a few words. Uh, they could have, could have just said, then they buried Jesus and, and then just moved on. But Scripture doesn't do that. Uh, the, 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 the Spirit doesn't write that. Uh, eight verses. Uh, last week's passage was only seven verses. <coughs> Here we go. <laughs> eight ver- uh, Can we turn down the microphone just a little bit? I just don't want to be coughing in everybody's ears. Um, eight verses are devoted to describing this event uh, from Jesus' cross to Jesus' tomb and the question we need to ask ourselves is why, why is that, why so much detail, why is it important to examine uh, the burial of Jesus Um, well that's what we're going to try to uncover today and we will answer part of it today and we will answer the rest of it next week uh, so hopefully uh, you'll join us next Sunday, so you can find, so you can hear that. So let's read our text for today. <coughs> uh, Mark chapter fifteen, verse forty. There were also women looking on from a distance, among whom were Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James the younger and Joseph and Salome. <coughs> when he was in Galilee, <coughs> they followed him and ministered to him. And summoning the centurion, he asked him whether he was already dead. And when he learned from the centurion that he was dead, he granted the corpse to Joseph. And Joseph bought a linen shroud, and taking him down, wrapped him in the linen shroud and laid him in a tomb. <coughs> and that had and that had been cut out of the rock. And he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph saw where he was laid. Let's pray. Father, we ask for your help today. I ask that you help me uh, just preach, uh, but we also ask that you would sanctify us uh, by the truth. Your word is truth, and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Lewis, or, or Lois Gibson, uh, she was 21 years old when she was brutally assaulted in her apartment and left for dead. She's now 71 years old, and she is, and her name is in the Guinness Book of World Records. Um, after surviving her assault, she decided to become a forensic artist um, to draw sketches of suspected criminals in order to bring them to justice. After 39 years, um, Lois Gibson retired uh, last year and she holds the record for uh, positively identifying uh, the most criminals (coughs) by a forensic artist. Her sketches have helped law enforcement identify over 750 criminals and help law enforcement solve over 1,200 cases. One of her most fascinating drawings um, didn't help capture a criminal. It actually helped reunite a family. In 1963, uh, three young siblings were separated from their mother after her mother tragically died in a car accident. One sister went to live with her grandmother and the two other siblings were placed in foster families. (coughs) And decades later, Uh, Lois Gibson helped reunite these siblings when she drew portraits of the two brothers uh, using age progression techniques that she had taught herself and all she had to go off of was baby pictures. So she drew what she thought they would look like at the ages of 31 and 32 and she was able to reunite these siblings. Uh, The reason I tell this story is because I think this account illustrates something that Scripture does for us somewhat frequently. Um, it doesn't tell us what a certain, certain person's face looks like, but what Scripture often does is, is it sketches for us what, what a disciple looks like, what a disciple of Jesus looks like. This is one of Mark's main purposes in, in his gospel, and hopefully you know this by now, we've been in Mark for so long, Mark wants to answer (coughs) these big questions like, who is Jesus? You know, the big buzz at that time in the first century um, in the Roman Empire, you know, a lot of people want to know who this Jesus of Nazareth is, and Mark puts his pen to paper, and he tells us that. Uh, That's his main purpose. But Mark also wants to answer another question, and that's, what's it look like to follow Jesus, right? What's it look like to be a disciple of Jesus? And I think today's passage (coughs) answers that second question well. It serves like a composite sketch. Uh, Mark is sort of like uh, Lois Gibson here. He is like a forensic artist drawing us a picture uh, of what it means to be a model disciple, And he doesn't just give us one picture, he gives us several. So in this passage, uh, Mark paints three portraits of discipleship. Three portraits of discipleship. And these portraits are based on three characters. Uh, We're going to see the women. uh, We're going to see Joseph of Arimathea. And we're going to see the Roman centurion. And and what we will do is is we will go through and we're going to look at these examples. And at the end, we're going to see... how we are enabled to follow these examples. And and we'll start with the what, and we will end with the how. Um, So here's the first portrait. Faithful discipleship involves serving Jesus. Faithful discipleship involves serving Jesus. One of the features of Mark's gospel is um, how valuable and how indispensable uh, women are. The, the, The role of women. Mark mentions... Uh, 15 different women, a total of 22 times in his gospel. To be sure, you know, some women are cast in a negative way. When you think about Herodias, if you remember, you know, she sent her teenage daughter to perform a seductive dance uh, for her stepdad Herod and his buddies uh, in order to get the head of John the Baptist uh, served on a platter. Herodias is, is not a model of discipleship. However, Almost all of the women who appear in Mark's gospel are presented to us as a, as a glowing example of discipleship. For example, <clears throat> you have Simon's mother-in-law. After Jesus healed her, what, 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 you remember what she did? Uh, she springs to her feet uh, in order to serve him. Uh, she didn't use her newfound freedom for herself, uh, but rather she used it to minister to Christ and to minister to others. The the, the woman who suffered from 12 years of bleeding. You remember that? Um, She's presented to us as a paradigm uh, of of trust. Even though her entire life looked bleak for over um, a decade, she placed all of her faith in Jesus. And she is presented to us as a a shining... um, Contrast to, to Jairus, uh, the, the male leader of the synagogue, uh, who needed encouragement uh, to rest and trust in Jesus' power. Uh, the, the Syrophoenician woman, back in chapter 7, if you remember, was a woman who was humbly persistent. <clears throat> she uh, She's like a female Jacob. And, 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 you know, her faith was flimsy and frail. You know, he was uh, rugged and resolute. There was a common prayer at that time in the first century that Jewish men regularly regularly repeated. It, It went like this. Thank you, God, for not making me a slave, a Gentile, or a woman. That's what, that's, what men, that's what some men were praying. And so this lady was an outsider. You know, if there ever was one, uh, she wasn't Jewish, and, and she wasn't the right gender, but she stands as an example of a true disciple of Jesus. She's actually the only person in Mark's gospel to call Jesus Lord. Additionally, uh, she's the first person in Mark's gospel to understand a parable of Jesus. If you remember, uh, a lot of people couldn't understand them. All the parables Jesus uttered are going over everyone's head, but, but she understands it. Uh, she gets it. She possessed tremendous spiritual insight. I'm just giving you examples here. The, the, the widow in the temple, <clears throat> if you remember back to chapter 12, uh, she gave her last two coins, and uh, she's applauded by Jesus for giving all that she had. She's a perfect picture of sacrifice and, and faithfulness. <clears throat> and then finally, in chapter 14, a woman who anointed Jesus with an expensive jar of perfume in preparation for his burial, uh, she's put forth as a, as a compelling model for devotion and, and uh, discipleship. So in contrast, remember Judas, <clears throat> he gave up G- he, he gave Jesus up for money. Uh, but this woman, this woman gave up money. For Jesus, and her act of love was was so beautiful and remarkable that that Jesus, remember, he issued this very unique promise to her. <clears throat> he said that wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the world, uh, what she has done will be told in memory of her, and, and we're remembering her today, right now. So Jesus kept that promise because she is a stunning example of discipleship. And now we arrive in chapter 15 and we see a few more women who are presented as faithful disciples. We are told in verses 40 and 41 if you look that these women they were watching Jesus. They were following Jesus and these women were marked by serving Jesus. So as Jesus breathed his last breath we read that there were women (coughs) that were watching from a distance and the details may seem insignificant um, but it's not because at his rest where were all of Jesus's male disciples where were they all of his male disciples had deserted him and at his trial his main disciple Peter uh, not only deserted him but he denied him but these women they remained close uh, they could not let Jesus out of their sight all the guys are gone but, but the gals remain uh, so, some commentators interpret the the, the, the phrase watching from a distance as, as being negative. And I think there might be some truth to that, but there also might be some legitimate reasons why they weren't up close. Uh, we know that Jesus was utterly abandoned by everyone, so that's true, but, but watching from a distance, is, is it's better than not watching at all, right? Um, um, being distant is better than being absent. Um, it, you know, if I'm getting jumped and, and my friend you know, just completely leaves me. That's worse than him, you know, hiding behind a tree, calling for help. I mean, um, now, now we may not have noticed this, but if you look in verse 41, um, it would have made people in the first century probably scratch their head. Mark tells, the, Mark tells us that these women follow Jesus. They, they, they follow him, <clears throat> but this isn't just some language saying that, that they traveled with him. Uh, this is discipleship language. These women are disciples of Christ. This verse communicates the importance of women. To be a disciple to, means to be what? Uh, it means to be a learner. It means to be a student. So I, I think it actually communicates the intelligence of women. Um, <clears throat> that, that, that it, it was a disgrace for a woman to learn uh, in this day and age in Jewish culture. <clears throat> One rabbi uh, from this time I saw in the commentary, he said that it's better to burn the Torah than to teach a woman. So Jesus, in his ministry, he elevated females to the status of full-fledged disciples, and I think that's cool. Um, and, I, and I think that this, you could read this text and kind of skip over that, but I think it's it's communicating that to us. Something that would have only been assumed for men in that day. Uh, so, so Jesus, you know, he's really countercultural in that way. He views women um, equal to men. Um, so these women have have served and, and they've ministered to Jesus. And when you think minister, think take care of, think help, uh, think work alongside. Uh, they have ministered to Jesus. These women are faithful. So so we want to be faithful Christians. We want to emulate the examples set by these women. We may not be able to serve and minister to Jesus in the in the same exact way. Uh, you, you know, Jesus has, has resurrected. Uh, he's been highly exalted. He is sitting at the right hand of the Father, but we can still administer and serve Jesus's body, which is the church, right? Jesus said, whatever you did to the least of these, he's talking about the church. He says, you have done for me, right? Uh, you remember Saul, um, when Jesus appeared to Saul, who later became Paul, um, he, he said, Saul, why why are you persecuting me? You know, talking about the, the body, talking about the church. Um, well, what do you do for the church? Uh, or what you do um, to the church and for the church, uh, you are doing to and for Jesus, right? Second portrait. Bold discipleship includes taking risks for Jesus. <clears throat> So after telling us about the women, Mark zooms in on a man. So he doesn't just hate men, uh, but I do think it's worth hyping up the women that are in the passage. Um, But he talks, he zooms in on this man named Joseph. And uh, we need to keep in mind that, that, that Jesus died when he died on a Friday afternoon, which means there's only a few short hours left before the Sabbath officially begins. You know, our days begin in the morning. Their days began in the evening. And no work could be done on the Sabbath. It was forbidden. You have to rest. So Sabbath you couldn't do any work including preparing someone for the grave and also placing them in a tomb. So what's going on here? Time is of the essence. That's what's being communicated here. There's a narrow window that is closing in. Uh, They gotta get Jesus in the grave. Now try to understand the tension. Roman law is at odds with Mosaic law. Okay? Rome used crucifixion not just to kill people But it was also a criminal deterrent. Uh, They wanted the public to see what happens when someone opposes the Roman Empire. And that's what they used crucifixion for. So men were crucified outside the city walls. A lot of times they were crucified on well-traveled roads, so a lot of people would see it. And the corpses of these crucified men, they were typically left on the cross for for several days uh, to, to rot. And, and to be eaten by birds and beasts, and so the cross, <coughs> the cross was a means of persuading the masses uh, to obey Roman authority. <coughs> like if you disobey us, you will end up like that guy. Like that, that's what they were communicating. So they so they left them on the cross for several days. Now the Mosaic law. Commanded that the body of an executed criminal must be buried before nightfall. And you can read that later. It's in Deuteronomy chapter 21. Also, to be left up was a disgrace. So Joseph of Arimathea, he sees, the, he sees this dilemma. He sees that time is running short, and he springs into action. He approaches Pilate, and he asks for Jesus' body, Um, Mark gives us some details about Joseph. He was a member of the Sanhedrin. This is the group of Jewish leaders, if you remember, we've talked about them a lot, that were not friendly to Jesus. Uh, They were the ones that convicted him of blasphemy. They handed him over to be crucified. Um, If you read the Gospel of Luke, Luke says that the Sanhedrin's decision was not unanimous to convict Jesus. Uh, So, Joseph, I I feel like Joseph, he did not approve, right? He did not agree. He did not go along with the rest of the group. He disagreed with his own group, the Sanhedrin's, on their plan to kill Jesus. Uh, The Gospel of Matthew tells us that Joseph was a righteous man. Tells us that he's a man who wants to honor and obey God. Uh, He wants to to believe and, and obey God's word. Matthew also says, Uh, The Gospel of Matthew also says that Joseph has a little bit of wealth. We we see in this passage that he spent his own money uh, to wrap Jesus' body up, and he uses his family tomb for Jesus' burial. The Gospel of John tells us that Joseph was in fact a disciple of Jesus, but one who followed Jesus in the shadows. That's what John tells us. And this is what makes Joseph's request to Pilate so remarkable. He boldly went to to Pilate. He didn't secretly go. He he boldly went, said he boldly went to Pilate and asked for his body. It's courageous uh, because, think about it, it's courageous because, think about it, Pilate may not respond kindly. Joseph doesn't know how Pilate's going to respond. He may put Joseph on a cross. For all Joseph knows, the Sanhedrin would not have thought well of of Joseph's request either. Joseph risked a lot and no one asked him to do it. He didn't have to do it. Placing the body in his own tomb uh, would have been career and political and relational suicide. One of the reasons that Mark includes that Joseph is from the town of Arimathea and this kind of stuck out to me is to distinguish him from another Joseph Jesus' earthly father, right? And what's interesting is that both Joseph's share a few things in common. One, there's no record in scripture of either Joseph really speaking. (coughs) We know that they talked, but we don't have any record of their spoken words. Both Joseph's take care of Jesus, one at his birth and the other at his burial. Uh, And both were bold acts of kindness and both involved taking great risks for Jesus. So in light of Joseph's example, uh, when was the last time that we took a risk for Jesus? Have, have, have we done something boldly or said something boldly for Jesus lately? Because, you know, safety and comfort, a lot of times, they can keep us from that reality. You know, there's nothing wrong with safety and comfort, uh, but following Jesus is more important than safety and comfort. So sometimes those things Uh, may have to be sacrificed. Last portrait. Global discipleship entails taking Jesus to the nations. Global discipleship includes taking Jesus to the nations. So, Pilate was caught off guard by Joseph's request because it usually took several days for a crucified man to die. Uh, Jesus' relatively quick death again shows something very unique about his death. Um, Suffering the wrath of God, suffering the judgment of God, suffering the curse of God, it took its toll on Jesus' physical body. That's why he expired so quickly. Uh, But before Pilate could grant Joseph's request, he had to ensure that Jesus was actually dead. So he summoned the Roman centurion. And we read his declaration last week. The officer who, is, who was tasked with overseeing Jesus' crucifixion. And, and the centurion confirmed that Jesus had in fact died. Uh, the, the Roman centurion witnessed Jesus take his final breath. And the way in which he died really stood out to this Roman centurion. And, and we mentioned this last week. Uh, But this man, you know, he was not a stranger to death. Probably witnessed hundreds of men executed by crucifixion. But the manner in which Jesus dies causes this man to confess publicly that Jesus is the divine son of God. He was the first human being to ever do that, the Roman centurion was. So the centurion's declaration, we kind of touched on this last week, um, it means that anyone can get in on the gospel. The good news of Jesus's death is for everyone. You can be a woman, you can be a religious leader, you can even be a pagan officer who is overseeing the death of Jesus. The, The gospel is inclusive. The gospel is not a secret. This is a preview of the good news of Jesus going to the nation's and this man's declaration is a preview of the, of the nations receiving this good news and so this episode is a reminder that salvation is not exclusively for the Jews um, but rather that God's plan of redemption includes all people everywhere who would put their trust in Jesus even pagan soldiers and it's our mission To take this good news of Jesus' death and resurrection to everyone. The the, the Great Commission cannot be viewed. I I heard a guy say this. He said the Great Commission cannot be viewed as the Great Suggestion. Um, So so we're supposed to be faithful. We're supposed to be bold. We're supposed to be global. And we should already know that. But how do we become those things? How do we become those things? By fixing our eyes on Jesus and surveying the wonderful cross. Jesus has never abandoned us, so we can be faithful to him because he's always been faithful to us. How do we grow in boldness? By remembering that Jesus is always with us. He said he'll always be with us. We have his spirit living inside of us. We get heaven no matter what. That The greatest risk that we would take, uh, that we could take on this earth, can never take Jesus from us can never take heaven from us. No risk, true courage is found in Jesus. And how do we grow in wanting to take Jesus to the nations? By remembering that Jesus was actually the first missionary. He left his father's throne above to come here and to take on our flesh. Um, He came to our world to pour out his life that we might be saved. So let's remember those things, let's be faithful, Let's be bold. Let's be global. And we can do that by fixing our eyes on Jesus. Let's pray. God, we thank you for for these examples uh, in the text. And, you know, we're just not trying to be like Bible characters, uh, but but these examples uh, were given to us uh, by your spirit, by Mark, for a reason. Uh, So I pray that we just wouldn't know the what, uh, but that we would really... Uh, by your grace and your Spirit's empowerment, apply the how to our life so that we would be faithful, so that we would be bold, and that we would be global. And I just pray that Trinity Fellowship Church would be about all of those things. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me.